0: Hello, beautiful people. This is Catherine, and this is the Juggling Act podcast. And I am back, and I am so excited about this collaboration that I'm doing with Elena Marte. Um, we are collaborating together on a series of information. She has a wealth of knowledge. She has a sibling that's 13 months younger than her that's diagnosed with autism and epilepsy. She also has two children that's diagnosed with autism, the ages of three and four. And she's been working for Miami Dade County Public Schools for 10 years years, a whole decade, um, with special needs students. She's also getting her PhD right now at FIU um, in Exceptional Student Education. So not to hold her up any longer, I'll let her introduce herself.
1: Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here and discuss all these awesome topics with you about autism.
0: Perfect. I am so excited that you're able to come in here and we're able to do this series and talk about so much. And Um, You're just a wealth of knowledge, and I'm so happy that you're able to be here. Thank you. Thank you. Okay.
1: Let's see.
0: So let's start off with this major topic that everyone hates. So You always see people talk about it and how much they really despise going to these IEP meetings. So, yes, that's something that a lot of people dread to do. And I, myself, never understood it. Um, my older son also has an IEP, and my middle child, which is an uh, autistic one, um, Zayden, has an IEP, but his was more extensive. My older child, he just had a little bit of problems with reading, and he just needed a little bit of a push compared to Zayden. I was walking in there with a deer with my um, deer in headlights. I didn't really know what would have happened, what was going on, and I walked out of there so um, defeated, and I know a lot of parents feel that way. So I think this is a great topic to talk about.
1: Absolutely. Um, IEP meetings can be very, very intimidating, especially when you don't know what you're walking into, what to expect out of it. Um, My first suggestion is, um, well, let's start off with how the IEP meeting works, your initial IEP meeting. There's always an initial one, it's the first one. Um, And going into that, you do have a lot more support going into it because You already went through evaluations and different things to determine that your child needed services, whether it be for physical therapy, occupational or for speech. Um, You do have more support. But then after that initial initial meeting, it's kind of like you, a teacher and the team at the school. And even though, you know, you had that initial support, you really don't get it the second, third, fourth time around, however long your child does have an IEP. Um, So there are great resources out there. Uh, whether it be on your school district website. Um, UM Card Center also has a lot of information on what an IEP is and what to expect. Um, but honestly, the best resource that I think is just talking to the teacher, um, talking to your school guidance counselor and administration on, you know, what you should be expecting because that's your right to know. You know, those are things that I think, you know, it might feel like a burden. And as a parent, you um, with two children, as you had mentioned, both of my sons have autism and they both have IEPs. Um, They both need different therapies for their needs. And sometimes I feel like I'm a burden on the teachers because I know as a teacher (laughs) um, (laughs) what that day is like, but I'll tell you, it's not a burden at all. Ask your teacher what to expect. Um, As we draft IEPs, uh, they're not finalized, of course, until we have the parent's signature and approval on everything ask for that draft, ask for weeks in advance. Um, what I do with my parents, and I say parents as a teacher, um, what I do with with the uh, my, the parents that are in my classroom, I give them the draft two weeks in advance. And I say, look, this is what I my input on the IEP is. This is what I feel the goals should be. This is what I feel the placement should be. But I want you to have these two weeks, three weeks, whatever you need to digest it. And I think that a lot of Parents don't get that. They go into IEP meetings and they're given an hour or two to take in everything that's being thrown at them in different directions. And you kind of leave there and you're like, what just happened? <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think that's, that's my advice. You know, ask for that IEP in advance and give yourself time to go through it. Make notes on it. and And when you go in, you feel a little bit more prepared.
0: Yes, I definitely agree with you. I think my... Pretty much my first few years at the IEP meetings, I never received a draft. And I thought that was very, like, the, what made me feel so overwhelmed because I would walk in there and they just would utter all these things out at me and I'll just sit there and stare at them. Like, what do you want me to say? I didn't even have time to do research. I don't really know what's really best. I can't even advocate at this point until, I want to say about two years ago. Yeah. maybe a little bit over two years, I realized that I was allowed to ask, oh, can I please get a draft of the IEP well in advance so I can read over it. And even then I got some pushback. So I've dealt with two different counties. So I've dealt with Broward County and I've dealt with Seminole County. So I've dealt with two different counties before. And I do see a difference sometimes in a different county. So I don't know if that plays a role with it or if it's just the school particularly, Yeah, but um, I did have a little bit of trouble with them just offering to give me the IEP up front.
1: Yeah, yeah. So it, the IEPs actually vary in between districts. So um, I have my sons now, you know, I don't want to say the counties, but they're in two different counties and the IEPs are completely different. Mm-hmm. And even to like go into another county, you have to have another IEP meeting for that transfer. Mm-hmm. I've had students come in from other states and we're like, what is this? You know, and it's kind of crazy how all the IEPs are different, but they want to tr- they want us to translate. And I'm now speaking as a teacher and a parent. You know, they want us to translate all this information um, and it's formatted completely different. The wording is different. The terminologies are different. And it's just like, you, you know, when I receive these IEPs as a teacher, I'm like, man, I really just want to make sure that I get all these accommodations right, because this child just came from. You know Chicago or Texas, and the way that they do things are just so different. Um, and there's a lot of pressure to get it right. But I think, um, speaking as a parent, you do have to you do have to know what you're looking for, and it's hard to know what you're looking for if you don't know. Of course, um, you know I, I have that advantage where I do know, so I'm able to ask. And anytime that I I'm able to educate my parents being a pre-k teacher i tell them right away what their rights are because it's a long road you know it's it's not something that is going to be fixed in a year or two sometimes 10 and it's really important that the babies that i get in that their parents know what they need to do um to advocate for their child and to speak up for them
0: which is amazing because i do feel like um that's something initially i lacked when I first entered Zayden into the school, um, it it was really hard for me to understand, okay, well, what does he need? I really don't know. I know that he needs speech. I know that he needs occupational. Um, I know that he needs to go to school and have a structure, but that's was about it. And it take me hours to research what he could get. And I know they give the booklet, but the booklet's big and half of the words in there, I'm like, okay, I really don't know what they're trying to tell me right now.
1: Yeah. Does it make sense? (laughs) No, for sure. And even then, like, that's what, you know, kind of upsets me too, as a teacher is when I read some of the information that's given to parents, it's not really parent friendly. You know, we, even when I talk to parents, I just try to really speak in a way that not even that they're going to understand in a way to disrespect their level of knowledge. It's just that we want them, I want them to know how to better understand their child in a way that they can help them. Mm -hmm. They're not going to know all the terminology I do. Just like if I was to go to a doctor's office and they're explaining parts of the bone, I'm going to be like, what, what are you talking about? You know, like Mm it has to be translated in a way that there's effective communication. And it's just so important that, um, that you get that because then, you know, in the end, it's it's our ch- it's our children that suffer because they're not getting what they need, and it's one of those things again. If how are you going to know if you don't know? Yeah. So, um, like I said, it's it really comes down to just asking. For me, my suggestion is talk to the teacher, talk to the school, talk to the school district. You know, don't be scared to be that parent because I remember before I was a parent of um, of my boys. You know you're kind of like you hear other teachers talking you know, like oh well, this parent you know they want this and this and i just don't have the time in the day to do it and, th- and then when i became that parent i was like oh my gosh i wish i would have said something to those teachers <laughs> because <laughs> like i'm that parent you know and you should be that parent the iep is a contract if you don't agree to that contract you do not sign do not sign In an IEP meeting, you are allowed to bring whoever you want. You are not discouraged to bring anyone. If you want to bring in an advocate, if you want to bring in a speech, uh, a private speech therapist or behavior therapist that your child is working with, it's a team meeting for a reason, and it's that child's team. So it's everyone getting together and being on the same page. And I've had uh, parents come to me, and they're like, I'm sorry, but I need this person here. And I said, don't be sorry. The more, the merrier. You know, Mm -hmm. and they're like, "Wow, we've never had that before." Usually, we're like, you know, we kind of get looked at, or you know, we kind of get side-eyed because we want to bring extra people into the meeting. And I said, "No, you know, the if I'm able to understand your child on another level, outside of this classroom and outside of their home and clinic settings, that gives me an opportunity to help them more."
0: Wow, that was really well put. I, I. Think that a lot of people needed to hear that especially with being able to bring i know they end up saying hey yeah you can bring anyone you want at the end of the meeting you're signing here so that you we didn't tell you you couldn't bring anybody
1: and then you're but like well, I, you didn't tell me I, you, I could." could. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah it's so true i'm like but you never told me i could you're and the way they make it seem like is like oh you, we didn't tell you, you couldn't bring your husband or a family member it's not like they even talk about other professionals that your child deal with like at yeah. all they just say well we're just letting you know that you're going to sign here because we didn't stop you from bringing anybody yeah so it's just it's always so um what's the word for it so good to hear that. Okay. You know, it's okay. Like yeah, and you're a teacher and you're, you're on the field for you to be able to say, yeah, it's okay to bring people and bring people that's part of the team and et cetera. So it's really nice to hear. Absolutely. Why do you feel like people struggle with the IEP besides like the terminology? I know the terminology is one big thing. And I always tell people that it's not, I have a, I have a degree. I, I'm getting my master's degree and I still sometimes read it and I'm like, I don't know what's going on. And every average American, they always say, talk to the average American like they're a third grader. And I know that's part of it. However, I do feel like there's other struggles. I don't know if it's people's anxiety of just walking into the IEP meeting and people become blank. What, where do you feel like the struggle lies for people?
1: I think, um, and just from my observation, and even as you know, experiencing IEP meetings on the other side of the table, on the other side, I mean, as a parent, um, I, I had conducted so many IEP meetings, but when I went in for my own children, it's a different, it, it hits different. It's a different feeling going in as a parent because of, first of all, just the way that it's structured, you know, it is structured in a round table, but there's always a head where I've always tried to set up my meetings where everyone is face to face. We're all seen as equals. There's not a head of the table. You know, there's not someone above that is, you know, there's not a hierarchy when we're having this IEP meeting because it's a team. And I think that's kind of the first impression when you go in is the environment that you're in. It's very it's a closed room with closed doors and a big table and chairs. And there's somebody sitting in the front that's conducting the whole thing. And just having that level of hierarchy automatically starts this feeling of anxiety going into this meeting. Because you're not, you're not, you don't have the feeling that you're being spoken with, you have a feeling that you're being spoken to. And I Mm -hmm. think that if we can create better environments where IEP meetings are held, even if it's in the child's classroom, you know, somewhere where you're able to see their work, and you're reminded of like, why you're there, what you're doing, what's the purpose of it for, it just gives off a better vibe versus being in a cold office you've never been in before. So I think that that's the first thing. I think second, if you haven't seen the draft, if you haven't seen what the expectation is and you haven't had a chance to look at it, again, it's not being spoken with, it's being spoken to. And I think that that also just kind of creates something, you know, like you're listening, but are you really internalizing and absorbing what's being told to you? No, Mm -hmm. because you're being talked at on things that are super important in such a short amount of time. You know, you can't, you can't learn a whole lesson in, in one class. You learn it over a period of time. And here we are telling their, you know, we're telling parents what they need to do in a whole year for their child in two hours. How does that work? If that,
0: so, sometimes a meeting's 15 minutes.
1: Yeah, you know, like how, how, you know, there has to be a better way. But unfortunately, you know, as a teacher, I see that there's not enough time. You know, with my with my case, though, I have 18 IEPs that I do, you know, so it's it is a lot. But I think if a school is able to or even if a teacher is able to find a better way to communicate with parents and get them ready for an IEP meeting, it, it'll just be a better experience. I also think that if parents have had a bad experience, they carry it over to the next, mm-hmm. not on purpose, innately. You know, out of our nature, we, we are defensive of our babies, we're defensive of them, you know, and, and we want to be spoken. We want to be spoken to in a way that's, we feel that we're being heard and respected, you know, so it's hard to do all of that and get all of those feelings out of an hour. But um, my my strongest my strongest suggestion, I'll just keep saying it, get that draft <laughs> get the draft and, and have your support there. Bring people, you know, if you have people that you 100% trust and they're there with you, you're going to feel a lot stronger in that meeting.
0: Okay, good. Um, I did have someone write me this and I know this has happened to myself before. How can you, I know it's a weird question. How can you prove that they're following what's on the IEP?
1: That's a great question. Um, Again, this is being in communication with your teacher. You know, if you need to email them once a week, how's my child doing? If you like, you know, my parents personally, they have my phone number and that's just something that I have created in my classroom. It's not typical at all. A lot of teachers do not like it and that's understandable too. I just do it because of the age group of my students um, and that's just what I prefer. But um, if you need to call the office, the school's office and say, you know, I'd like to set up a meeting with the teacher, uh, and you want to do that weekly. Again, that's your right. Um, they should, teachers should be letting you know the progress of your child. But you know, if they get caught up in what they're doing or they just forget, we always like that reminder too. You know, I have sometimes a parent that you know I haven't spoken to in a couple weeks, and I they'll text me and they're like, Hey, so is everything going, you know, is everything going good with so-and-so and I'll be like, Oh my gosh, I was just about to write you. Yes. You know, this is what we're working on. This is what we're doing. Um, even then you can see in your house, you know, at home, if they're making goals and, and if they're uh, making any progress on the things that you've agreed with their, their annual goals, mm-hmm. um, you know, if Johnny's annual goal for is to ride a tricycle and you have a tricycle at home, and you see that he's starting to get on it and he's starting to attempt to push. You're like, okay, well, you know, this is good. This is in the direction that we want to go. And that goes for social behaviors and, you know, learning the letters and numbers. With, with autism, it's really recognizing all the small wins. And there's sometimes that a goal might not be obtained because, and that's why, you know, writing an appropriate goal is so, so important. Um, there will be times that a goal is not um, going to be obtained in time, but it's a teacher's responsibility to let the parent know in advance and change the goal to something that is appropriate um, that can build up and work up to what the expectation is. You know, so I think the best way to know that teachers are, are um, properly monitoring the progress of your child is to be in communications with them. And there are a lot of forms within different districts that are provided to us that we can give to you on a daily basis, if need be, um, that let you know how your child is doing with, you know, potty training, daily life skills, socialization skills. And you just, you know, you request those things and they're available to you if you'd like them.
0: Perfect. Um, I know that there is some resources. So I know, okay, so let's start over. So I know some people have talked about advocates, that there's advocates out there to help you through these IEP meetings. However, the few advocates that I have contacted are way out of my bank account. Like there's no way yeah. I would be able to afford them in any way, shape or form. Um yeah unless I were to get some type of scholarship or some type of grant, I wouldn't be able to pay this person out of pocket and then keep them coming too. Because at the end of the day, if I need them, I might need them to continue to come. I don't want to just be like, okay, well here's my whatever amount of money and I see you once and that's it. Like I wouldn't want to do that. What are other, um, I know you mentioned some resources already about it, but what are some resources so that we can talk about that um, out on the podcast?
1: Yeah, definitely. So Um, with finding the advocates, I know that there are a few, um, I believe that you can go through the, um, Florida health department and they can connect you with different agencies that have autism advocates, especially when you're going through like early steps or fiddlers. I know that they have, um, different agencies that they work with as well. Um, but also I think the best advocate for any child is their parent. Um, And I know that we all just don't, we all don't have the time to look through. I know like how you mentioned that you just have done so much research and different things. I know we all don't have the time for that, but sometimes just reading even things like um, the IDEA Act, you know, understanding what FAPE is, F-A-P-E, you know, uh, understanding what those things are that are just by law, how we help individuals with disabilities, By just, you know, reading those things and understanding what that means, you can really just be the best advocate for your child Um, and finding different supports if you can through those agencies financially. I know I have not been able to, but Mm -hmm. I I know even for my parents, when my brother was younger, they looked and it just wasn't something that was available because when he was diagnosed, autism wasn't really um, a topic that was discussed. Also, there wasn't as many diagnoses, You know, when he had autism, it was one in 1,000, where now it's one in 56. Um, it's very difficult to find an advocate. If you're able to, more power to you, that is, that's great. They're very hard to come by, and um, especially, like you had mentioned, at an affordable price. But um, I always try to build advocates and parents because we're the best resource for them, you know, and, and even looking long-term, you know, advocates, they might not always be advocates forever or your child's advocate forever. And then you're gonna have to go through the process all over again, not to say anything against them. I think they're great and I've had great experiences with them, but um, I always try and encourage parents to be the best advocate for their child because they are.
0: That is so true um, for for your area, um, the UM Card, what do they offer? What resources do they offer?
1: Oh, UM Card has so many things. They have different camps. If you just go to the website, there is just a plethora of information. They do um, parent mediated interventions, they have support groups for parents, they have um, any information on camps for your child uh, during spring break or winter break or summer. I know FIU also does a summer camp uh for children that are on the spectrum there's uh there's just so many resources for uh um card that are would be so helpful for the parents and really you just have to go to the website and everything is there
0: yes so um if you guys don't know um card well in general the card program is a program that most um universities have so UCF card. There's a UCF card. There's a UM card. There's a couple of other ones in the state of Florida that that are that have the card program, and they give out support, um, either sibling support. Uh, parent support they give out resources like i know um, the car that i'm nearby they gave me resources for swimming for camp for um well obviously covid happened but they used to do bingo um they used to have dances for the kids they used to do outings with the kids so they used to do a lot of things and then especially the kids that are transitioning into adults that need to be able to go out and go to um the grocery store would get some groceries, buy your groceries and come back home. They used to do outings like that too. So they do offer a lot of resources uh, through those universities. But I do know of UM and UCF off the top of my head. And I'll try to see if I can post the other card, the map. I have a map that has like the cards in the state of Florida um, programs at what university. Cause I actually never found out about UM card until... um, I found out about UCF card.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's, um, and it's, it's a, it's a shame because it's just such a great um, resource. I also know at NSU, they have great resources for um, children and adults with disabilities like dental service. And, you know, just those things that are so difficult to find. I mean, right now I'm going through the struggle. My, my oldest needs eyeglasses, but I need a specific doctor that can work with him because of his needs. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I know Nova Southeastern University, they have a great dental program uh, for for adults and children that are on the spectrum. Um, and also, um, of course, University of Miami, they just you know, there's there's things out there that unless you're told you won't know. But, you know, that that's why it's great that we're having these conversations here just, you know, to better educate
0: Yes. And provide people some resources because I would always try to look for resources and et cetera. And I would spend hours trying to find things. And that's what made me really want to start this podcast is obviously I started a podcast with more, um, I guess, private information about myself, personal information. And then I started streaming into getting more people to help me out and come on this podcast. That's why I love that you're able to come out because you have so much knowledge and we're going to talk about so many things in the future. So it's going to be great. This series is going to be amazing. And um, with this whole IEP, I know a lot of people don't like talking about it. A lot of teachers shy away to talk about it. So I was so happy that you're able to give us some insight and um, for parents, especially to be able to go in there and have some more, a little bit more confidence when they walk into the room and know what they need to ask for. Um, I think one of the biggest things I struggled with asking for is they would just tell me, Oh, he's gonna get 30 minutes of speech, 30 minutes of occupational. um, And this is what he's, this is the type of classroom he's gonna get. And I would just be like, initially, I'd be like, okay, like, how do you know how many he was allowed to get? And then come to find out he could get way more. And I just didn't know. And he needed way more. This is a kid that was nonverbal, couldn't really use a pencil, couldn't cut, couldn't do anything. And they were just giving him 30 minutes, 30 minutes, and that's it. And yeah. it was to what, 30 minutes twice a week. And they're like, well, since he goes to um, a medical um, speech and occupational, he only needs 30 minutes in school. And if someone's telling you that, the first thing you're going to do is saying, "Like, OK, I guess that's all I can get. And then as I started researching, I realized I can get him a lot more. And he was able to get more, more like it, towards an hour. Yeah. And I had no idea. I had no idea. And it made a huge difference where he wouldn't be able to label anything before, where he can actually somewhat label some things and um, he can cut now and he can write. He doesn't write super clear, but he can write his name and you could tell it's saying Zayden.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's so awesome. I mean, that's one thing that, um, again, you know, it's it's something that we have to fight for. But like I've told you before. The IEP is a contract. If you don't agree with something that is on there, you do not have to sign it. Even if that means that you want to step outside and talk to somebody on the phone and get back to the meeting. I mean, those are things that that, that can happen. I mean, it's again, it just goes back into the pressure of having to sign it that moment, that minute, and you haven't really digested anything. And there's been times where you know, I've been in the same situation with my kids where they're like, you know, he's only going to he should be getting 30 minutes of speech. And I said, no, well, I want him to have the hour because I know he can have the hour and there'll be a little back and forth. And I'm like, well, according to the idea, you know, like when you start bringing those law, like those laws are there for a reason, like they're there to help our children. And even though sometimes the team might not agree you know, we know our kids best. We know what they're capable of. Um, I'll tell you that it's it's easier to put it on the IEP initially than to put it on later because later it's going to be more difficult when you have those interim meetings. You know, that's another term where IEPs are done annually. But if you hold an interim or you request an interim meeting, it's because you're making a change on the IEP. You're allowed two interim meetings per IEP annually. Okay. So if there's something that um, needs to be changed or, you know, you want to add transportation, the IEP can be um, changed twice annually. So that's something also important for parents to know.
0: Yeah. Cause they, a lot of the times parents just assume that you can only go in once a year. Like if I have a friend and she was like, Why are you going back in? I'm like, because I need to change something. She's like, okay, but you just went in and not too long ago. I'm like, well, I need to change something. So I'm going for interim. She's like, since when can we do that? Like she has kids that are also have IEPs and she had no idea. She's like, they told me I can only do it annually. (laughs) And Um, after that, that's it. That's what she came to the conclusion that she was, oh, she's like, I'm able to change this. I didn't even know that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So it's, you can, you can change it, um, twice a year. Sometimes if the IEP is going to come up close. Um, you know, to, to the day that you're requesting the interim, we might just go ahead and say, look, well, you know, we can actually just change this on the IEP. We have it in about a month. So if you just want to do it that day, that'll work. But um, if it's something that can't wait, like transportation obviously can't wait, we change it the next day so um that's something that's always good to know and something that i tell my parents in the beginning when we have that first iep meeting or we're meeting for the first time i let them know that as well so that we're all on the same page and nothing is a surprise
0: yeah that, that's great because that's something that needs to, for people to know well we're coming up to the end of this podcast which was great i feel like there's a lot of information that was given I'm going to try my best to see if on the Instagram I can post um, about the act, um, the, the um, map of the cards, the areas that have cards yeah. and I'm going to try my best to post all those things for you guys. So you guys can have a little bit more information to go into these meetings with some more confidence and you know that you can fight for your children and advocate for your children at any cost possible. I know on my first Perth podcast, I mentioned to you guys to follow your gut, and that's so important. So this is another thing. Be your advocate for your child. So I hope everyone has an amazing day. And um, welcome welcome to the series that we're going to have, this wonderful collaboration. Ooh, so ooh. yeah. <laughs> uh, so I'll hear from you guys. I listen. I hope you guys are listening and hear from you guys soon on my Instagram, okay? Have a great day.